Well, my family has been on, in uh, quarantine for almost a month, and uh, we are loose. <laughs> we, uh, thankfully, our, our symptoms were relatively mild, and uh, we're all feeling good. And man, let's continue to pray for our community, to pray for our, our school district as, uh, as, man, it just feels like God's grace has allowed everybody to, to step into this. And I feel like our community is, is overall healthier than we thought we would be at this time. And, uh, but man, let's, uh, if you're aware of needs in the church or needs in the community, uh, even in Baxter or Colo, like we definitely want to be uh, able to love and serve those around us. But uh, so it's good to be together. It's good to be together the second week of Advent. I've, I've missed being in person and welcome to you guys that are online as well. And uh, I'm excited for our Christmas Eve service. Uh, last year that was, it, there was a whole bunch of stuff going on. And so, uh, man, I'm, I'm prayerfully hoping that the Lord will, will bring people to, to himself this season and everything. But um, you might not have known this from the past, but Advent each week has like a theme. So the theme last week was hope. And, you know, one of the things that I think for all of us is in this Advent season, like the, the desire is that we go with it. The desire is that uh, I was actually on a on a Zoom call with a bunch of pastors from Minnesota on Thursday. And one of the pastors, he, he, their church is actually a block from the Viking Stadium, so they are just like right in the mix of everything. Um, he's a couple, uh, I'd say he's in his 60s, I think, has been a pastor for a long time. And he was sharing on the Zoom call that how he remembers pastoring during September 11th, 2001, and how it just felt like the entire country had a passion to hear from God. And the entire country, uh, you know, of course that wasn't true for everybody, but he just, he was like, you know, we just could not believe how people were flooding into our, not even on a Sunday, people were just flooding to the church to try and, and just together come near to the Lord and have some direction in the midst of just craziness. And he said, you know, it's just been fascinating to me that through COVID, it feels like that hasn't happened, that we've had a nationwide stirring everything up. But he said, you know, I just feel like so many of us are turning towards lesser things, turning towards idols, turning towards hobbies, you know, hoping that... Uh, if I order enough on Amazon, like I'll recover financially, but like it'll do something to my soul that brings me hope or brings me peace, you know? And he said, I just feel like nationwide and there, he's like, we're seeing this in Minneapolis. Like it just feels like, like people are trying everything except to be at the feet of their God, you know? And I think that this is one of the reasons why we have Advent and one of the reasons that we say, hey, let's like shake ourselves and let's like slap ourselves in the face and let's actually like look at just the hope that we have in the coming of Jesus and his second coming. And then today, looking at love, the love that he has shown us, the love of uh, the way that Mary has responded. So very simply, and I think this is going to be really practical for us, but very simply today, we get a look at a girl who believed God's love towards her. 
So if like, it feels like things get confusing or something today, like if you just want to cut through the fog and be like, what are we talking about today? We are talking about the simple actions of Mary who believed God's love for her and how that changed her. And uh, we, I was meeting a few weeks ago with a guy in our community, and um, we were talking about stuff. He's like, oh, yeah, I believe that about Jesus. Yep, I believe that about Jesus. Yep, I believe that about Jesus. I believe that about Jesus. But he wasn't a follower of Jesus yet, but he was believing all these things. And eventually I was like, well, do you believe he did all that for you? And he's like, well, that's a different story. I, like, conceptually believe all these things, but do I believe that he did all that for me? And, um, and so he didn't at that time. He does now. Uh, but this is what we're looking at when we look at Mary, is a young girl who's believing God's love towards her and how that plays out. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. And I, I hope that this is really transformative for us. Like none of us want to play at church. None of us want to just come, hear something, and leave. We want to be changed. And so would these verses change us? So starting verse 26, Luke chapter 1, Lord, would you do what you need to do in our lives um, to really give us this hope and this love during this season? Verse 26 says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Verse 29, But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. So the angel Gabriel himself, who had previously visited Zechariah, and Zechariah is a professional religious leader, he's a Levite, he, he has the opportunity uh, just once a year someone is selected to go into the, the uh, Holy of Holies in the temple, and it was his time, it's typically a once-a-lifetime thing, Zechariah had the opportunity to go in, and, uh, and Gabriel met with him there, but here... This is six months later that, uh, so Gabriel had told Zechariah that John the Baptist was going to be, was going to come and be his son, and Gabriel couldn't believe him because his wife had already passed menopause and all of this stuff that, that just seemed impossible. And so here Gabriel now comes to Mary. And just consider this, like, Gabriel didn't just, like, decide, like, well, it's Tuesday, I'm going to go and tell Mary. Look, it says he was actually sent from God to a city of Galilee. So God himself dispatches Gabriel to go to northern Israel, go to Galilee, go to a small town, Nazareth, a town that one day, Andrew would say, does anything good come from Nazareth? You know, you would expect that like he'd go to like Paris or something to give such an amazing message. But no, he's going to this out of the way place, middle of nowhere, now in the inner place of heaven, one of only three angels whom we know by name, Gabriel is dispatched to a virgin girl who is engaged to Joseph, Mary. And man, Gabriel must have been bursting with passion because Gabriel knew what was happening. 
Gabriel knew, like, the death killer is going. Like, Jesus is going to be unleashed. Jesus is going to be, we've been waiting for millennia, and I get to say, it is starting. It is going. It is happening. And so for Gabriel to get the message, it's time. Go tell her. And she hears this message, a message that you're loved. You know, you look at what Gabriel is telling her, and Gabriel is telling her, hey, you're loved. I see you. I know you. And what's crazy is it doesn't seem to freak her out that Gabriel is in front of her. Like, it doesn't, you know, I mean, imagine an angel coming into your living room and being like, hey, I'm gonna t- God sent me, and I'm going to tell you something. I mean, all of us would just be like, who, you know, I mean, like you, you would think that you'd just be frozen up, right? She isn't, she doesn't seem to be overly troubled that Gabriel's in front of her. She seems to be greatly troubled that she's so loved. She was greatly troubled at the saying. Isn't that interesting? She wasn't greatly troubled at the appearance. She wasn't greatly troubled that here an angel had just come and become visible, and she was overwhelmed by that. She was greatly troubled by the saying that she was so favored, that the Lord is with her. And I just think this shows like her humility. You know, when Gabriel shares that, she's like, he thinks what about me? What's his heart towards me? Like, that's what bothered her. That's what seemed to shake her, was not having an angel in front of her, but what shocks her more is when her God mentions how he views her. And man, I want this for me. Uh, and I want this for us. Man, like, I, I want each of us that when we hear the way we are loved, for us to be like, what, 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 wait? What, I'm loved like that? Really? And not be like, oh, I've heard this story before. But instead be like, really? Are you, wait a second. That's true. That's the way he views me. With knowing all that I am. And he knew all the details of Mary. And he knew that her resume did not look good at all. But he moved towards her shared his love towards her, and here's verse 30, what Gabriel then tells her. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Gabriel said, I love this, verse 32, he will be great. Now, this is Gabriel who saw the creation of the world, potentially, who saw the stars put into place, and for him to be like, he's going to be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, which will fulfill many prophecies, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. The angel reiterates that she has found favor with God again, Then that she will conceive a son in her womb. His name will be Jesus. He will be great. He will be the son of the Most High. He will fulfill all the prophecies of David's lineage that was 
talking about that he will always reign. He will reign forever. His kingdom will never never stop. And Mary's response in verse 34, Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? So we see Zechariah doubts. And when Zechariah doubts, um, he's punished for doubting. He can't speak until, until it happens. And with Mary here, she asks a question, but we know the question is not based in doubt. It's just a question coming from curiosity. Hey, how's this going to happen? And one of the ways we can know that this is just a question coming out of curiosity is Gabriel's response. Gabriel isn't like, hey, come on, I'm standing in front of you. This is going to happen. But instead, he's like, oh, I'm gonna, I'll tell you how it's going to happen. I'm going to satisfy your curiosity, let you know how this is going to happen. Uh, verse 35, the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. I mean, man, that that verse should be like tattooed on our soul. Nothing will be impossible with God coming from Gabriel. And Mary said, behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And I think her response to God's love was she loved it. She loved that she's loved. And man, that can just seem so simple but crazy powerful. You know, what if each one of us hearing of God's love for us and the way that that's going to play out in our life, we're like, I love that. I love that I'm loved. And it might sound simple. It's significant though. And it's a strong question for us is, do you love that you're loved? You know, do you hear of the love that God has and be like, yeah, that's nice. I'm grateful for that. I'm thankful for that. Do you love that he loves you? And man, if you're like, well, I want to. I'm, I'm struggling to be there. I'm not there right now. I feel kind of like a fog is in my soul or I just feel kind of blah, but I want that. I, I want to love that I'm loved. That is an amazing prayer. God, I want to love that I'm loved. And would you make my heart feel that? Would you make me really feel that? Um, and uh, because you might feel numb right now. You might feel cold. Um, and these are reasons we lock arms together as a church. These are reasons we come together. I think this is an importance of, like, I'm super glad that we have online ways to gather, but even as I talk to people who are predominantly online, like, we have to go out of our way to be able to be eyeball to eyeball with each other and to find ways to be eyeball to eyeball with each other because we're made for that and we're made to encourage each other and to look at each other in the eye and to, and to, to, to really spur each other on towards how much we're loved and towards that making us love that we're loved and to have that be rekindled in our lives. And, and for, for Mary to hear that and to say, 
Uh, and to hear even Gabriel say, nothing will be impossible with God, Mary has just heard something that will possibly result in her being killed. So it's not like she doesn't have any skin in the game here. Not just that she's going to carry a baby to full term, but she's also heard something that sounds impossible. Because she is not married to Joseph. Uh, They're kind of in an Old Testament way uh, engaged to be married where they would act like they're married in every way except uh, with sexual intimacy. So, so it would be very clear that that doesn't happen until your wedding day. Um, and so for her to show up pregnant um, is very clearly the response to that is for her to actually have um, corporal punishment, for her to, um, to be stoned to death. And so for Mary to say, he loves me like that? And he's wanting to do that in my life? Well, he's awesome. He's good. So do what you want with my life because I love that I'm loved and I trust you and I trust your heart towards me. For, so she beautifully says, behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. I mean, Mary's faith is majestic. Her faith doesn't, it's costly just as it is for us. And I think we're feeling the costliness of it more and more. How it's like, man, it's hard for me to be neutral right now. Like I, for me to really be pursuing the Lord right now, like that it's costly. And, and I'm, I'm having to say like, hey, I'm going to trust you here and I'm going to go for it. Because her love for God came from a place of being fully convinced of his love for her. So her love came from a place of being fully convinced of his love for her. And man, I, for this season of Advent season, my heart is that we would all grow in this. We'd all be discipled in this. We'd all be learning from him more and more like what it means that he, even now in 2020, is crazy about us and all that he's doing for us. And so, uh, so what we, we don't see Gabriel again until Gabriel shows up to the shepherds and says, he's here. He's over there. Go worship him. And so that's the next time we see Gabriel. We don't know if Mary ever composed a song. We don't know if it was like, oh yeah, Mary's a lyricist. You know, we don't know if she ever did that. But what ends up happening here is she goes public with God's love for her and her love for God. She goes public with it and writes a song that gets passed on for generations. And, and I love that, um, yes, like our faith is private. Our private relationship with God is so crucial. We have to have a, a, a relationship with him. And he, he reaches out and God so loved the world. He sent his only son that whoever believes in him singularly, whoever each of us believe will not perish but have everlasting life. But then as having private relationships with him, we go public with it. So others can follow us as we're following him. And so her, here's her public statement. If you're ever like, I wonder what Mary was thinking. This is what Mary was thinking, starting in verse 46. My soul magnifies the Lord. However long I'm alive, I don't know how long this thing's going to play out. But right now, right here, my soul, if you like, were able to get and look through her soul, 
you would see that she is magnifying God. You know, like you're able, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. I feel like just verse 48, man, could be water for our soul in times that just feel blah, things being canceled and stuff like that, of being like, man, he's looked on my humble estate. Like, he sees me. He knows me. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Mary knew she was a part of something that was way bigger than her. And that's true for us, too. I mean, I hope for generations people are like, yeah, these crazy people thought they could plant a church in rural Iowa, and look what God did. And it was not because we were great, but it was because him and his greatness looked upon our humble estate. He who is mighty has done great things for me. And Mary could have looked at that through a totally different angle, and she didn't. She looked at it the way that was true and right and good. He who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. And I love that Mary is excited. Um, she, she says that her spirit rejoices in God, her Savior. God has called her to follow him in a way that's going to turn her world upside down. And she doesn't have this martyr complex. Instead, she's overwhelmed with God's love for her. The God of the universe has looked on her humble estate, the humble situation that she's in. And she even knows that her story is going to be a part of the bigger story, just as our story is a part of the bigger story. And what's interesting is Mary needs Jesus to save her too. Romans 3.23 is true for me and it's true of her that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So the hope that Mary has is in her womb. And uh, I love the lyric from Andrew Peterson that the baby in her womb was the maker of the moon. Like, that's true of Jesus, that the baby in her womb is the maker of the moon, and he is her savior. And she believed in God's greatness in being able to turn her rags to his riches, able to lift her up from humble places. And how can she feel this way? She can feel this way because her focus is not on her circumstances. Her focus is not on all that's going to cost her. Verse 49 tells us that her focus is on how she can be excited. The thing she reaches for first as her anchor through the chaos is the unchanging character of God. The way he is, the way he is to her, she has no idea how this is going to play out, but she knows her God is holy, meaning that he is perfect in his goodness. She knows her God is powerful, that nothing is too hard for him, no request is above him. She knows that her God is merciful, that he will never overlook or fail to do good to his own. So Mary sings first about who God is, and then the rest of the song is a celebration around who receives help from a loving God like this. Look at verse 51. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty." He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. So verse 51, God is truly strong, and he scatters those who think they're strong in their pride. Verse 52, he brings down the mighty from their thrones. He is the only mighty one that's on his throne. And then he raises up those in humble places. 
Verse 53, the rich are sent away empty. These are people who trust in their riches to fill their life. They'll always be empty, searching for more. Jesus will always offer himself as more. Those who hunger for God are filled up. Verses 54 and 55, Mary then shows her, shows how her son is the God of Israel, the God of Abraham. He's the covenant-keeping God, the God who fulfills his promises. Uh, the Roman Empire had looked like it had crushed the people of God. And Mary says, no, like all people have hope, and that hope has not been crushed. The angel Gabriel tells Mary that she's going to be giving birth to our Savior. She knows the heart of her God. And if she was just looking at her resume, she would say, I don't have what it takes for this to happen. But when she looks at God's resume and realizes that he's good, holy, powerful, and merciful, she just simply believes he can do this. He can do this in me. He can do this in us. And um, man, God speaks she knows God's heart. She responds in faith. It's amazing. And I just say for each of us, like, would we respond likewise? Would we know how greatly we're loved? We are far worse than we can ever imagine, and we are far more loved than we ever dreamed of. And it's true, and it's not going away. It can't be canceled. And then would we go public with that love? Would we embrace that love for us. And when, when we come to communion, this is physical. This is in the flesh. Um, this is God's tangible way he designed this to say, hey, I want to give you a tangible way to commune with me. And so you don't have to be a member of Sacred Mission Church. You don't have to uh, do anything other than be a follower of Jesus. And if you are not a follower of Jesus right now, I'd say instead of coming to the table, come to Jesus, give your life to him, or, or let's talk about it, I'd love to tell you more about him. But for those who do follow him, the warnings in scripture are just don't come too quickly to the table. If the Lord's showing you areas that you need to repent of, areas to pray about, maybe if you have conflict with somebody in the room, it could be appropriate to seek to start resolving that conflict, but then to come because he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. I mean, when we come to take these elements, we are holding in our hands that he has looked on the humble estate of his servant and that he who is mighty has done great things for me. So the way that we'll do it is we'll come, and then you'll see that there's wine and juice, and then we have a cup within a cup. So there's the, the bread underneath, and then the liquids on top. So just grab one of those. And then let's come, let's respond, and then we'll stay standing and take it together as family.